So uh, the last uh, handful of weeks, we've been in, in a larger series called Summer Sound Bites. And specifically the last three weeks, we were talking about anxiety. I kind of had this like subgroup of Summer Sound Bites. We're talking about anxiety. And so today we're going to talk about what I believe is the sibling to anxiety. And, and you're going to discover more of what that means in a minute. Uh, but the sibling to anxiety that we're going to be talking about today is grief. And I believe that we are globally in probably one of the largest moments of grieving ever in existence of my lifetime. I've never seen so much grieving going on or dangerously not going on. And we're going to talk about that today. But I'm going to take the next three weeks in our summer soundbite series as we wrap up and we head into our school year. These last three weeks, I'm going to be talking about grief. This week, I'm going to talk about grief's purpose. Next week, I'm going to talk about grief's process. And the last week, I'm going to talk about grief's promise. Today's summer soundbite is in the book of Matthew. This is Jesus talking. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, in this series, Summer Soundbites, I've been giving us what's called the breakdown where I contextualize what's happening and then we talk about the shakedown and the shakedown is what's misinterpreted and oftentimes is a lie and then we set truth to it. And so I want to get into the breakdown. Jesus is speaking here. He had just done a bunch of healings. And these couple of uh, individuals come to him and they're so eager to go follow him. They say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus is talking to these two individuals who were loosely following him at the time. Now, I want us to grab a hold of this concept that these individuals were loosely following Jesus. And he's going to tell them, this is the sacrifice it takes for you to closely follow me. And, and maybe for some of us, we loosely follow Jesus. Maybe we know of Jesus. And, and these two guys knew of Jesus. They had kind of been following him around, maybe attending gatherings that he was at, but they weren't closely following Jesus. And maybe that resonates with you this morning. And the first guy says to Jesus, teacher, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. He's so eager and he's so quick to follow Jesus. And Jesus says to him, are you sure because I have no place to lay my head. Essentially, there's nothing of status in following me. Why did Jesus say this to this guy? Because this guy was underneath the belief that Jesus had come to establish an earthly kingdom. So the closer I am to the guy, the more that I can be like the guy. So, hey, I want to be close to Jesus because he's going to establish his kingdom. So I'm going to get status. I'm going to get the wealth of this kingdom. So Jesus tells him, there's nothing here to be gained. The next guy says, hey, Jesus, would you let me, I, 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 I want to follow you and I know there's, I should follow you today, but I'm going to put that off till tomorrow because today I need to go home and I need to deal with inevitability that my father's going to die. This is important. Many, many, many experts of scripture believe this statement that I'm about to make. The man's father had not yet died. This does not say my father has died 
I need to go tend to him. What's happening? The man is using the fact that at some point he is going to experience the loss of his father as an excuse to not follow Jesus today. So Jesus is encouraging these two men to count the cost. It says in Luke 14, 28, to count the cost of faithfully and closely following him. Now, here's the lie. This is the shakedown. The lie is, is that when we hear this, let the dead bury the dead. We go, wow, Jesus is insensitive toward a grieving man. We believe that maybe even if you today have an expressed faith in Jesus Christ, that maybe you have grown to think, and I know I did in my life, that grieving was not the Christian thing to do. Because Jesus is full of joy and peace and happiness and we should just get over it and we accept the language that grief really means get over it. Today we're going to discover grief's purpose as it's as a guide toward truth and toward honesty. Number one, grief guides you toward truth. Here's the truth. Grief is normal. And grief is necessary. This is the truth. In fact, there's an entire book in the Bible. If you think that grief, or if you've heard someone say, or they've made you feel like, or if you've been made to feel like, like grief somehow isn't biblical, it's not what you would do if you were full of faith in Jesus, there's an entire book in the Bible written about grief called Lamentations. If you look up the word grief, a synonym for it is lament. And there's an entire book written on the lamenting heart that Israel had because of the things that were done underneath the reign of a king that was against them. And Jesus even is acquainted with the deepest of grief himself. And by definition, Jesus is faithful. In fact, in Isaiah 53, this is in the old part of the Bible before this precedes Jesus' birth. So this is a foretelling of Jesus. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with the deepest of grief. Let me define grief for you. I think this is important for us this morning to really understand this. I said in the beginning that I believe that grief is a sibling to anxiety. And we just talked for three weeks about anxiety. This is why I believe it's a sibling to anxiety. It's because grief comes from a calamity. And this is what a calamity is. An event causing great uh, 
or often sudden damage or distress. And when an event like that occurs, many times we respond and we get anxious. Simply put, grief is the result of experiencing loss, separation, or significant change. And for some of us today, maybe you've lost something, but maybe you've experienced a, a deep separation or a significant change, and all of them are valuable in understanding what grief is. And here are signs of grief. Maybe you're sitting here thinking like, I'm not grieving. I'm just uh, increasingly uh, irritable. Which is a massive sign of grief. Maybe that I'm not grieving, I'm just anxious and anxiety is a sign of grief. Numbness. Denial. If I hide my face, you don't see me, like a two-year-old playing hide-and-go-seek. Guilt. If you're experiencing deep guilt over things, perhaps it's you wrestling with grief. Pain, bitterness, detachment, a preoccupation with this experience of loss, separation, or significant change. The inability to experience joy. Anger. I think increased irritability and anger to me are the two that I just see flashing like wildfire right now globally. Where we're on a hair trigger socially. And depression. All of us have dealt with a tremendous amount, no matter where you sit, stand, lay, kneel, what country you're listening from, what language you speak, how much money you make, how well your retirement has done in the current market or not. We all, over the last 18 months, have experienced. And what I would say is an overwhelming and tremendous amount of loss, separation, and significant change. We've experienced loss, separation, or significant change potentially in your income. Maybe in your job, maybe it changed. You're doing something now that you really aren't that into and you're grieving the loss of and the change in that job, uh, maybe community. The loss, separation, or significant change within our home, in expectations. I can't tell you how many expectations that I held in my heart and in my head that were decimated in the last 18 months. Our health, our ability to trust, our safety, our security, control, friendships, 
family. Our innocence. And the loss of life itself. You see, for me, I'm going to be vulnerable and tell you with an open heart, grief was there for me the last 18 months, but I'm going to tell you the moment that it hit me. A handful of weeks ago, one of my beautiful daughters um, experienced an injury, and I was at the emergency room with her well past midnight, and while I was there, I was stricken with a lot of these emotions. I was angry. As a father, I felt like I had lost control to be able to be a protector. And I felt like my child had lost this innocence of not knowing the depths of what pain could really feel like because of how frail humanity is. As she sat alone with a crushed hand in an emergency room in a hallway for five and a half hours. And I realized in the moment really what I was experiencing was the fact that I had felt and I was dealing with, or in this case, not dealing very well with the fact that I wasn't grieving. The loss of control that I have found in the last 18 months as a leader. As a pastor. To watch our communities come under assault. To watch us turn on each other. To not know where half of the people that called this church home, where they went. And no matter how hard we try, it's like people just disappeared. I don't know if you experienced this. Like, it's like people just vanished. And I'm sure they're dealing with this same thing, but I'm just telling you, this moment with my daughter was just the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And I realized I'm struggling and I'm grieving these things for my family as a dad, as a neighbor, as a husband, as a friend. And it's overwhelming. In a moment, you feel stuck in it. And I kept telling myself this thing. And you've heard me say what I'm about to say before. It's my mantra, but this is not the time to make what I'm about to say your mantra. 
you can do anything once. You were made to do hard things. Now I'm going to finish this statement. Pat, you need to get over it. And this is the problem. You see, for me in mass trauma, you end up minimizing your own trauma. And I began to believe that, well, everyone's going through it and I'm tough and I do hard things. You can do anything once and it's just one one month period which turned into a six month period which turned into quarantines on top of quarantines and fights and over everything you can imagine and And what I realized was I need to allow grief to be my guide toward the truth that it's normal. And I want you to know something this morning. It's necessary. And grief guides us toward honesty. There's this story in the book of John, Jesus, again, this guy, Jesus. He had some friends, some very dear friends. Uh, this girl named Martha and another one named Mary and a brother um, to one of them named Lazarus. And Jesus is off doing some stuff and he's away. And I don't know, maybe you have been away. I, I, I remember when, uh, when my father passed away, I was 18 years old and a long battle. I think I was six when my father got diagnosed with cancer. And I was not here when my father actually died. He, he was in the hospital and I was out of town. And um, at that time, there was no cell phones. And so there was an actual, some of you will remember this, there was a phone with this cord that you stretched five rooms away. And there was this thing called an answering machine. And it had a tape in it. And um, you, could, you could say, hi, thanks for calling. And you'd leave these, right? Some of you were like, huh, what's that? Um, how do you get the tape in the cell phone? You don't. It's a machine. And maybe you can relate to this, that sometimes the hardest moments come when you get the news of something and you're not there. And this is Jesus. He gets the news that his buddy Laz is sick, but he's not there. And they're like, go get Jesus and tell him to come back. And Jesus is like, I'm going to wrap up doing what I'm doing and I'm going to get there. And as he's getting there, he hears news that Laz has died. And not just died, but he had died, died. He's like four days dead. He's dead, dead. Right? And Jesus meets these two women on the road and he begins to, to experience what they're experiencing. And in verse 33 of John 11, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled, two signs of grief. He says, where have you put him? He asked them. He's talking about his friend Lazarus. 
They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Now, I want to stop. It's the shortest, but I think the most profound scripture in the Bible because what it shows is that Jesus himself understood and experienced as faithful as he was. He actually was embracing and allowing grief to guide him toward honesty. The first thing that I notice is that Jesus joined Mary and Martha, and he, and I want you to know this this morning, he joined you in your grief as well. And the next thing that I notice is that as he shows these deep signs of significant grief with and for his loved ones, he's allowing grief to guide him to relate honestly with his loss. See, grief guides you toward a new way of relating honestly with what you have lost. And this is what I mean. Grief is complex and it's messy, isn't it? I I want you to know beforehand, you're not going to want to miss next week as I talk about grief's process, but I want you to know I'm not going to present a linear process to you because grief is not linear. It's complex and it's messy. And so I just want to forewarn you. This is what relating honestly to what you've lost means. It means that your loss will continue to matter even when it's gone. See, the lie that I believed and maybe you've believed is that grieving is a waste of time because whatever you're grieving is gone. Why are you wasting your time doing this? And you may say, like, grieving is a waste of time. I just want to move on from this. I said that for a lot of years in my life. Grieving my own father's death was a waste of time. I needed to move on from this. I I needed to just get over it. And I want you to hear me this morning. I want, you, I want you right now, if I could get your attention, I want you to look at me for a second. Grief is worth it. Grief is not a waste of time. Grief guides you to deal honestly with your connection that you had to whatever you've lost. It's, you grieve because it matters. And for some of us, you need to hear this, that you grieve because you matter. So you may be here You may be listening to this and you're stuck in an awkward relationship with grief or perhaps you're newly recognizing that you're you're dealing with grief. And I want you to tell you that there's a plan. See, the plan is to go on with grief rather than to get over grief. to move forward with it. 
rather than moving on from it because how can you move on from something that matters that much to you? How could you and I be expected to move on from something that if it hurts at any level, it meant something? Pain has broken your heart open. Pain has broken my heart open. And here's the challenge. The challenge is to keep it open. And allow grief to guide you toward truth and honesty. I'm going to have you close your eyes for a second. Jesus was near his friends and he's near the brokenhearted. It says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. I also want you to know this this morning that the best thing you can do to honor whatever that you're grieving is to allow grief to guide you toward truth. Truth that it's normal and necessary and the honesty of having an open heart. And that open heart says, it matters, it's worth it. The most honoring thing that you can do this morning is grieve well. get over it. If you're dealing with grief and maybe for the first time this morning you're like, ah, that's what it is. I'm already standing but I'm gonna be the first to lead by example, to remain standing and say, that's me this morning. If this is you as well, would you stand with me? an open heart is hard. Because the first thing we want to do is we want to shut down and we want to protect ourselves. 
And grief is the guide that just keeps knocking. So what I want to do is, is I want to pray just on an individual basis. And also I'm going to pray just globally, just for everybody. But if you're, if you're around someone, you see them standing. Scripture says that the best thing that we can do is gather around one another and mourn with those who are mourning and weep with those who are weeping. The best thing that we can do is bear one another's burdens. In fact, it's a command. So if you're in this space, this is gonna press on some comfort zones, but could you just find someone that's standing and could you just go to them and just lay your hand on them? Because we wanna be disconnected in our grief. (laughs) This is actually the first practical step to maintaining an open heart. going to have Lexi and the team lead us as we just respond right now and she's going to sing this song and while she sings it it's just a time that we can just sit and say God show me reveal to me what it is that I'm grieving it's one thing to know I'm grieving but the question right now is what am I grieving Is it a loss, separation, significant change? Is it a combination of all three? And then I'm gonna have a challenge for us, something to commit to as we walk out the door, but it's gonna start right now. And this is what I'm gonna say is, is while we just spend some time before God and we just say, God, we're gonna lay everything down before you, even the things that we're grieving. We're gonna commit to opening our heart up to the truth and the honesty of grief one moment at a time. See, we're gonna start right now. A wave of grief is gonna hit and I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna keep my heart open and I'm gonna grieve. See, loss surprises you and loss interrupts you. We are stops and we grieve with an open heart. And then I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna pray at the end. But for right now, I want you to just reflect on these things, spend time, and then I'm gonna pray and close us.
name of God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Father, that today, that in this space, um, grief has its way of almost feeling like it fills the entirety of our life, like it just consumes everything. And, and, and I want to give you a picture that grief is not consuming us, but it's pressing on us. And, and the more it presses on us and we feel like we're overcome by it, it's creating more space for God to inhabit. And as we maintain an open heart, it's in this open heart that God, this, this heart that's been broken, that God is able to fill this space. And so when we say, Emmanuel, God is with us, that he's with you in the midst of whatever is messy right now. He's, he's with you in the midst of whatever is tough, whatever is complex, whatever you're grieving. He's actually inhabiting that space with you. He's not a foreigner to that feeling that Jesus experienced and, and understands and he's empathetic toward what it is that you're experiencing. And so I'm gonna encourage you to commit this week to maintaining an open heart. Grief is gonna hit you and it's gonna come in waves and you're gonna feel fine one moment, maybe the next moment you're gonna feel guilty or angry or confused. You're gonna tell yourself it doesn't matter. These are these waves of grief and the entire time, this is what I want you to commit to. I'm gonna keep my heart open one moment at a time. And I know for some of you, it's going to literally feel like one breath at a time, one moment at a time. I'm gonna keep my heart open. I'm gonna get hit by it. It's gonna surprise you. It's gonna interrupt you. You're gonna stop and you're gonna grieve. But God, we're gonna make a commitment today that we're gonna keep our hearts open to you. We're gonna keep our hearts open to grief, to guide us toward the truth that it's normal and it's necessary. And the honesty of us relating to what it is that we've lost, that it matters deeply and the most honoring thing we can do is grieve well. That it's good grief. Father, we're gonna hang on. We're gonna hang on. For some of you, I get this picture of a thread and you're literally hanging on to a piece of thread. I wanna encourage you, hang on. Maintain an open heart. Let grief guide you toward truth and honesty. Join us next week as we talk about grief's process. I think you're going to be really surprised at what you're going to hear. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said amen and amen. If you need